Hi, welcome to Haven. This is a podcast that's a safe space for curiosity and conversation. I'm your host, Haven, and today I'm curious about marriage counseling. Marriage counseling. This is a topic I cannot do solo. So I have brought in the love of my life, Aaron Wheats. So sweet. Hello. So sweet. Hello, everyone. Hello, Haven. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just break the ice a little bit. We're talking about marriage counseling. We've been married for... 10 years, almost 11. Almost 11 years. Mm Mm-hmm. That's insane. We have been married for almost 11 years, and we've been a couple for 16. Wow. And friends for 18. Friends forever. Friends forever. You brought that up the other day. You're like, wow, you've been in love more than half your life, which is just such a feel amazing. It's such a poetic way to look at life. I have been in love for more than half my life. You've given me that gift. So thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't funny to anyone else but us. This is fun. Okay. Well, we're going to do this actually in a two part series because you and I have done premarital counseling with about half a dozen couples. And we take them through like a whole kind of worksheet. We do it over three months, but we're going to condense it down into a two episode kind of arc of things. Yeah. You can think about it like a free marriage counseling session. Yes. With two people who've been married for a long time and have learned some and have a lot to learn ahead. Yes. Constantly learning. Constantly. But the way that I want to break it out is this episode, we'll probably talk about expectations and communication. And then the next episode will be all about money and sex in not a weird way but in a helpful way it's weird to put those together (laughs) that's not what marriage is (laughs) some people it is oh god okay all right i want to start though what there's a quote that i love from esther perel i knew you'd start with a quote okay a little tidbit about haven when she would like start her papers we knew we've known each other since like high school Uh uh-huh and she would show me her paper sometimes because I was an English major guy. And she would always start with a quote. I'm like, why are you always starting with a quote from like Eleanor Roosevelt? Like, are you a big Eleanor Roosevelt like fan? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I am. So here's a quote. And if I had a quote from her, I would share it. But I actually like this one more. It says, most people are going to have two or three marriages or committed relationships in their adult life. Some of us will have them with the same person. Booyah. Booyah. But that's how I feel about you. We've had a couple different marriages. Oh, yeah. And that this is actually the number one topic request I've been getting is mm. for a marriage one, relationships, that kind of thing. Those are consistently the uh, largest form questions I get asked. It's probably because it's like the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. Like relationships. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's the most meaningful, but it's also the most difficult. And mm-hmm. maybe that's why it mm-hmm. is difficult because you it's discover meaningful. so much. You put your, you are yourself. You're bringing your whole self into a relationship being yourself there's lots of things we can talk about i don't know you can steer us but it is interesting to what is it one plus one doesn't equal one like Mm -hmm. when you're like getting married like it's not like you still probably should have your individual life Mm -hmm. and friends and things otherwise you become like codependent you become too needy on the other person it's like you you still need to have your own sense of self and validation you know Completely. Elsewhere. But that's also what I want to start is we'll kind of go through a little bit about what we take couples through. But I wanted to share with you. You don't know I'm doing this. I want to share my favorite part about you. Do you know what my favorite part about you is? My brain. Yes. My mind. Your mind. Brain is too scientific. Mm -hmm. 
Your mind wildly fascinates me. I don't understand. <laughs> you come Fair. and you derail a train of thought of mine in the absolute best way. Hmm. And you think about things in a way I never would have thought. And it's so unique and it's so brilliant and it's so creative and imaginative, but it's also your mind, but mixed with um, the beauty of your soul. I feel like you have just a depth to you that not, not most people probably have, but I don't know if they quite access it in the way that you have. And that paired with your creativity is just, I will never be bored being married to you. That's very sweet of you to say. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to know mine oh, for you? I wasn't going to, sure. Yeah. I wasn't going to ask, but yes. <laughs> My favorite thing about you is I think you're the best friend in the world. Like not just to me, you are my best friend, but um, I think to so many people, you just, you have such an open heart, but you know, you're able to step in and just be with someone, you know, I don't know. I think for me, when we were, you know, kids doing bands in high school and stuff like that, it, it was fun to play music together, but I really like just our conversations, you know, in the garage, you know, after band practice or after, you know, making cookies or something like that, you know, it's very wholesome, so wholesome. <laughs> very nice, wholesome garage band experience. Even just talking about bigger things in life, like God and life and how things are, you know, I, this sounds very vague, but we really talked about so many things. And I think that's when I just started to love you. Mm. you know? Well, it's also the basis of our marriage is friendship. Like we're best friends first. And then everything else is just icing. So I'm glad that we have that too. Let's get into it. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Do the intro again. <laughs> You're the music. You can add it in there. So when we take couples through this, um, again, this is a very condensed version. So pause it at any time. Take notes at any time. These are mainly conversations for you and the partner in your life. Like, yeah, listen to it, hear and engage, but these are... These are helpful conversation prompts to get to know someone either you're already married to, you're thinking about getting married, or you guys are just in a dating stage and you want to get to know each other better. But the way that we started off too is we just tell them, hey, in this counseling, you guys are talking to each other. Like you're not going to talk to us. Don't even look at us. Like look at each other the whole time. We're just going to facilitate conversations with you. So it's also a sense of like, we don't have this all figured out. We just have learned a lot of great tools that we want to share. And when we do it with people, we also give them homework. Like they've had like worksheets that they fill out in advance and specific questions. But here's the overview that we tell couples that we'll take them through. The first one is actually we do talk about money, budgeting, your experience of it, because that's the highest reason for divorce. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to have conversations about those. Like financial issues yeah. end up becoming pretty big. Totally. And it may seem small in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Then you get older, you start a business, you do things, life hits, mm -hmm. you know, unexpected things happen. Yeah, it comes up a lot. The other thing is conflict of how do you handle it? How do you resolve it? Like, what's your conflict style? Is it attacking, blowing up, isolation, like fight or flight, fight or flight, that kind of thing. Also expectations of that's the communication bedrock for sure of unmet expectations are what settle in deep and corrode a relationship. So it's helpful to talk about it. And you also don't even realize you come in with expectations until they're unmet and you're upset. Mm -hmm. So you may not even realize you have them until you're feeling a type of way. 
Then we also talk about love languages because there's different ways to give and receive love. And the way that you're giving it may not be the way that your partner likes to receive it. So you could be hitting a bullseye of the wrong target. So it's also what's the target for their love language. And also love languages, you build relational equity. So we as humans, we're always going to make withdrawals. So with like needs and mistakes. So if you have a big amount to pull from of having fed into your partner's love bank, that helps. And then we're also going to talk about sex and remove the stigma or a sense that it's weird or all like or awkward at all to talk about because there's expectations there too. It's like, what does a win look like for you? What does a win look like for your partner? And talk about that. Anything to add, sir? Where would you like to begin? I want to begin on the question that we ask couples of going in, we say, how do you make big decisions and tell your partner? Like, how do you come to a big decision? How do you decide on it? I know for you and I, like, this is something that we learned together, where I'll think through something a ton. And then when I say it out loud, it's basically done. Like, I'm only saying it out loud because I've thought through everything. I'm committed to it. And it's basically already happened. Where for you, I it's remember- opposite. It's the opposite. Complete opposite. <laughs> I'll start talking about something. And it's just me, like, getting the wheels turning. Like, I'm spinning it, spinning it. And then when it's in motion, then we're, then we're doing it. And it would frustrate me. And I brought it up to like our, uh, we have like a professional marriage counselor that we've used for a long time. And he, I was like, Aaron said he's going to buy a computer and we budgeted and then he moved it somewhere else. And it's frustrating because we committed to it. And he was like, Aaron didn't commit to it. And I was like, yeah, he said he was going to do it. And he goes, okay, Haven, in your head, when Aaron says he's going to do something like that, you have to put it in a maybe box in your mind. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll change his mind. You can't hold him to what he says on that front. And not like a, you know, communication is not who he is. He was, he's processing out loud. And maybe he will buy a computer. Maybe he won't. But you can't hold him to these thoughts that he has as if they're already happening. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm the problem here, you know? But it helped me so much because now I just throw everything. Aaron, anytime you have an idea, I throw it in a maybe box. And I don't stress because it's his choice if he's going to do it or not. Maybe there's a return policy. <laughs> Maybe there's a return policy. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a computer for 14 days and I'll decide I don't want it. Exactly. That's so not me. Like if I'm doing something, it's done. And so I just have to be like, that's you. And that's, yeah. and that's okay, though. A lot of to his marriage is being like, you're going to do things differently. My way isn't right. Like your way is right for you. Hmm. And my way is right for me. Partners. Okay. okay. It's a natural segue into conflict mm -hmm. of we ask couples, what do you do when you disagree and have opposing opinions? What do we do? That's a question for you. I'm asking you. <laughs> what do we do when we have different opinions? Um, I think we either find a compromise somewhere or, you know, we, it depends. Mm -hmm. Like what's an example? Well, let's go even back to conflict style though. This may be an easier answer is especially when we were first married. We had different conflict styles. For me, my conflict style was definitely not healthy. It was related to the other closest male in my life, which was my brother, where we would fight growing up, mm -hmm. which was not a conflict to resolve. Like any siblings, you know, you're fighting to win. So I would go into our relationship that way. And the mechanisms that I had learned was mentally, I was like, I'm going to go into an igloo where nothing you say is going to affect me. Like ice, ice queen. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. I said ice cold. Close enough. Kind of like that. But I was like, nothing's going to affect me. I won't show vulnerability. I won't show weakness. And then 
through the igloo. I would look at them and just wait and wait for someone to say something stupid. And then I would just sniper rifle. With sarcasm. With sarcasm or like just making fun. Like nothing was going to hurt me. And I was just going to bide my time until you did something stupid and then sniper. And it was so not helpful. It was not, it was painful. And it was like, it was not, it wasn't to resolve. It was to self-protect, which is a difference. There's a difference of self-protection and difference of like fighting for resolution. But I realized this, especially of you did something to change the tides on that. You found that vulnerability on your side, the bravery of that would melt the ice where you would be like, hey, I love you. Hey, we're fighting together here. Hey, we're on a team. And that one kind of snapped me out and be like, oh, like this is safe here. This is safe to kind of come together. And that would melt the ice and that would help bring us together. But it took me a long time to unlearn that conflict style. But what was and yours? Some, well, uh-huh. in response to that, I think something interesting that we learned through going to our own counseling and all of that was, oh, like I asked the question, do, am I going to have to surrender first all the time? Mm-hmm. Like I was so frustrated. I was like, can she just like apologize first mm-hmm. once? And like, even like, cause you would get mad at me for something afterward and I'd have to apologize for the small thing that I did in reaction to the thing that you did maybe that set the trigger off sometimes. You're right. But the, our um, counselor was just like, yeah, probably. You're probably going to have to do it first all the time. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. Are you sure? Cause I think like it should be a little more balanced, right? Like, uh-huh. no, he's like, no, I think that this might just be your, like one of your perpetual issues that you have to do and so i was like okay i'm gonna get really good at being the first to forgive to apologize to all of that because i know i can like diffuse that bomb Mm -hmm. you know or like soften that situation i can i that's one of my strengths i at some point i realized oh this is a this is not an imbalance in our relationship this is what i bring to the relationship Mm -hmm. and it actually that shift you know, the last couple of years has really, really helped us. And it helps. It and continues. I, and I respect that from you so much because it is hard for me to drop the weapons. Like mm-hmm. it's hard for me to feel defenseless and I have to feel safe for that. And you bring that safety. And I still want to work on that. I'd love to be the first one to apologize, but like, it's a part of the stubborn nature. It's a part of the direct, the force going after the shadow side of that is it's hard for me to admit I'm wrong. It's hard for me to be vulnerable first. And I'm so grateful for your graciousness in that. And, you know, being the bigger person, because to be honest, you are like, that's why in the episode I did on like women and men, like Janelle was kind of commenting of like how great that you, I think you had downloaded like my PMS tracker app to try and like help or something. And I was like, it's that's such a small slice in who you are of like, you're so gracious and you're so forgiving. And I'm just really grateful to be married to you. It's a weird side tangent, but thank you. I appreciate that. But you didn't answer. What was your conflict style? Oh, my conflict style. What is my conflict style? No. When we first started, like first started dating. Yeah. I think maybe I just shut down. Yes. I don't remember. I just blacked it all out. <laughs> no. You would no, shut, yeah, down shut down and like I used ghost. To shut down a lot. Not like ghost of no, like. I, especially too, because if um, we were to get really angry at each other, especially early in marriage, mm-hmm. it was like 
there's this concept of like being flooded, like the whole, my whole system, I could start to see like when I'm hitting like 60 miles an hour going above the speed limit now, you mm -hmm. know, that, that anger has now flooded me and I actually need to like pause. Mm -hmm. So we came up, we were inspired by an episode of Portlandia where they have this hilarious safe word, safe word <laughs> called cacao. And so I just... We just took that. It was so funny. It's such they an embarrassing. Like, it's a weird clip. I it's don't super weird. Don't Google it. It's <laughs> but at the time it made sense to just say but now it. I, we just have that code where we're like now it's, it's like, the version hey, of the bear happens. where they go like this. Yeah. Where they like I'm, hold uh, like the spoilers. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. If you haven't seen the bear season two, that's it's a kind thing. But you're right though. We when you're feeling flooded, you have to exit the freeway. Otherwise You have to have some signal to let the other person know that's like, hey, I'm gonna like I need to take a second. Mm -hmm. you know, just to collect myself and then we can come back and talk about it later. And as a partner, that's not them abandoning you. That's them taking care of themselves. But like, that is okay as long as they always come back. And as long as like, you do have a chance to resolve someone taking a beat to go away, to go for a drive, to go for a walk, to calm down in the middle of a heated argument is better because like your lizard reptilian brain takes over where it's your amygdala's flooded. You can't be logical and reasonable. Reasonable. Like you can't deal with reason. Like it does need to calm down, mm -hmm. which is important on there. Yeah, but, it's it's important I think in the like what do you call it? Like mm -hmm. the calm times, mm -hmm. the peaceful times, just to establish that like trust. Like mm -hmm. hey, like when we get into a fight next, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. When that happens, like I care about you. And I don't, I, I just want us to have a healthy way to fight. Mm -hmm. So we don't go too far. We don't say things we don't mean. We don't, you know, cross any boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm really proud because I do think we've made such a, a shifting, even the last 10 years of like, we don't really boundary cross anymore. The way that we like would when we were flooded in a fight, because we made like a list where it was like, we're never going to say the word divorce ever, much less in a fight. You but just even, said it. Okay. <laughs> okay. In a fight. Or in regards to our relationship, we also don't cuss at each other, mm -hmm. slam doors or be physically intense. Um, Never hands on each other. No hands on each other. You requested no sarcasm. Yes, that's a big one. It's a, it's a very triggering for me. Yeah, don't like that one. And I think those are our main ones. Oh, yelling, raising voices and stuff. We try not. I don't know if I already said that one. Yeah. But it's important to have the, the boundaries in place, like farther away, like farthest away from where you like danger, real danger zone or mm -hmm. anything like just have a bunch. We have like a, I don't know what you call it, boundaries, walls. Yeah. And it makes a difference. So that way if like start to get flooded and like you cross one, I get I raise my voice or something like that. Uh, you know, I realize, oh, okay, I've, maybe I don't realize it, but you could bring it up and say the code word or whatever mm -hmm. to like, hey, let's diffuse this. Let's calm down. Mm -hmm. Let's come back in like 15 minutes, an hour, whatever. And each of us calls each other to who we are. We go, hey, we don't speak to each other that way. Like, let's take a beat. Or, yeah. hey, like, we don't talk to each other or that kind of thing, too, mm -hmm. where it, it, it jumps between each of us. Um, also, when it comes to conflict, be careful going to other people with your conflict with your spouse. Like Candace. <laughs> Candace does know about all of her problems. <laughs> She's a safe one. I know about all of her problems. But I meant, like, outside friends because you'll forgive your spouse. But they're always going to kind of harbor that against your spouse, whether it's your family or other bigger, people. Sorry. Yeah, go bigger, ahead. Bigger, I think, is the family. Like, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're freshly married, you don't want to, like, go to your dad or your mom about your spouse with 
some things mm-hmm. because then it's like, what what are they doing? Like mm-hmm. this is this is they're treating my baby like terribly. Yeah. And I'm gonna do something about it. Or mm-hmm. like that's not right. And that some things need to really be worked out. Obviously, if it's extreme, talk about it with someone. But no, it's true. And I can't recommend a family therapist more, like a family counselor. Like our counselor knows we don't have any secrets, but they know everything. Like mm. our counselor knows everything about my life, your life, and our conflict. And that makes me feel better because I'm like, we're voicing it somewhere. Someone is privy to that. But outside of that, just use judgment in your better judgment and knowing of like who you're talking to your marriage. Because also we have a united front. We're like outside, like we may disagree behind closed doors. And if it's not a big deal, of course we'll disagree. But I mean, like on big things, like I have your back and you have mine. Yeah, it's not it's not healthy for me to like trash talk you to, mm-hmm. you know, my friends or anything like that, vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way that that's constructive. Right. When it comes to even communication, as far as like what we've learned is voicing needs and like what are my needs Instead of just saying like, oh my gosh, the house is trash. I'm so frustrated. It's like, hey, I need at the end of the day for us to do a sweep so I can wake up and not be overwhelmed. Thank you for recognizing my my need. I know. I'm voicing <laughs> your need. That's your need. Please. <laughs> it's overwhelming for you to go to sleep with a messy house and you request that we clean no, it. No, it's overwhelming to wake up to it. Okay. But that's true. Going to sleep feels a little fun. Going to sleep. I'm like, yeah, dishes, whatever. Mm-hmm. But waking up. Yeah. But it's important, though, when you're communicating those needs is to keep it on your side of the fence. Yeah. Like tennis, pickleball, sport. Ping pong. (laughs) Sport. Oh, ping pong. Yeah. The table tennis. (laughs) (laughs) All these are variations of tennis. But like to say it on my needs, not like, hey, you trashed the house. You left your dishes out. It's, hey, it helps me when I wake up if we have a clean kitchen. Or if I say like, you don't do this, you don't do this. I'm just like, pow, pow, pow. <laughs> and it doesn't, the the ball's just going everywhere. You yeah. Know? It's going everywhere. Oh, this is a good one. As far as conflict is also, um, in communication is like when you're upset, it's like when you're trying to have an argument, it's like you're holding, holding a wet bar of soap It's like the more mad you get, the more it slips out and goes in a different direction. And then you're fighting about something else. And then you pick it and you squeeze it and it goes all the way around. So like the Best way to have conflict is to not get so angry that you're just like squeezing it because then it's going to go all the way around. Gentleness. Gentleness, which is very hard to do in conflict. (laughs) Very (laughs) Very hard hard. to do. (laughs) Sounds like it's very hard for you. No, we've worked through it. Kind of. Okay. There's some questions on here that like I even want to kind of get to as far as that we've seen topically when we take couples through this is when it regards to communications and expectations. Someone was asking, like, what about friendships? Do those change after marriage? What's your take on that? Um, I think they definitely can change. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people, you know, they have their friend group and suddenly it depends on the relationship, I think. But most of the time it's like you spend so much time, you know, with your boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, that it's like, I don't know. I think it, it does change. I think a greater question that people can ask themselves I'm is confused. like, <laughs> I think ask, you know, person you're dating, fiance, marriage, like, what are your expectations of like friend time? Like how much time do you want to spend with friends okay. each week? And do we have married couple friends that we both enjoy? Or if only you enjoy them, how much do I actually have to hang out with them? <laughs> and how many devil dates do I need to sign up? for to make you happy because I want to make you happy but you have to know like 
I don't enjoy this couple date. I think when you get married, there's a different dynamic. Like, yeah, you have your friends. Keep mm -hmm. your friends. Mm -hmm. You're not, like, losing anything. If anything, you're gaining a new, like, I don't know, type of relationship, type of friendship. Yeah. That when you have your single friends, maybe friends who are still single or still dating or whatever, that's obviously still, obviously still great. I think what is also important is to find couple friends that you both can gel with, you mm -hmm. know, and you can learn from each other. Like we have several now um, since we've been married now, like we just got married <laughs> 10 years ago, but the dynamic is really cool. You find people that you can trust or open up to or relate to about things and share. And, you know, it's a newer frontier when mm -hmm. you're getting married, but it really is like a valuable thing. And then bonus when everybody starts to have kids at the same time or if they can't have kids then you're still there for them you know there's mm -hmm. like a you care so much more because now like you have people that you can go through life with maybe at different age ranges but like still in the same mm -hmm. direction it's kind of nice totally and then i think i'm also gonna always harp back to like again the bedrock of expectations it's also like hey what's your take on opposite sex friends now that we're getting married like, what are you comfortable with me? What am I comfortable with you? Oh, yeah. And asking each other those kind of dynamics, because you may not realize you had an expectation until it wasn't met. And then you're like, why am I upset? We've never talked about this. Oh, I assumed. What, like, specifically, why are you going to lunch with that girl? Or why are you going to lunch with that guy? Yeah. Why are you, you know, or, what is that dynamic like? Like, are there boundaries there? What is that, you know, kind of thing? Because And I'll take it important. to our relationship is you're a musician. And mm. I was like, am I comfortable with you one-on-one, -on -one, intimately songwriting behind closed doors with another female? That's kind of the name of the game of the industry. Mm. Like, what does that look like for us where that, if that has to happen? Or for me, if I have to take a business lunch, like one-on-one -on -one with a guy, like, what is that? That's... It's not as clear back and white as like, oh, never one-on-one. -on -one. Like, you know, it's what am I comfortable with? How can I communicate with you? And is there ever a sense where you're like, I don't want you doing that. And I always want to defer to you of what you're comfortable with. Because I can always compromise and pull arrangements in that other setting. But I never want to sacrifice your trust or your comfortability in situations. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Same. Thank you. Another thing is like, uh, how do you plan to split up like cooking and cleaning and home expect home responsibilities of like, what's your expectation of yourself and of the, the other person and their role when it comes to that? Yeah. Those I think you can like the whole idea of expectations. It's like, you can trickle it down to every facet where sometimes mm -hmm. you don't even know you're not even aware of it. Like my mom did my laundry when I was growing up. So you're doing it. It's mm -hmm. like, uh, hold on a second there, Buster. Here, buddy, you, know? you got to learn <laughs> like, how to use the laundry you're machine. You're an adult, man, and mm -hmm. you can't do your laundry. Right. You know, or know. like, what are you particular about that matters to you? I remember one time there was this older couple and he was like, you know, um, my wife cooks, but afterwards it always frustrated me how everything was left. He goes, and I would consistently be annoyed. And then I realized I'm particular about this. Oh, that's been the best for us. When we find those things, yeah. like you... You would get so mad, I think, about the trash or something like that. Uh-huh. And then you just start to – I got mad about dishes, so I just started doing the dishes. And I hated the I trash there, it. so I just always take the trash. If it's over – if it's flooding, I'm like, I'm not even going to ask Aaron. Like, I can fit one more thing. You always there. push it down, and I'm like, oh, it's man, I'm going to ask him three times. I, I'm just going to do it. It's my yeah. problem. Like, it's my thing I'm particular about. Or if there's something neither of you wants to do, 
okay, like how, what's our agreement here if like neither of us want to do this part? But that's just the home stuff. But it's also bigger of asking, what do we do about holidays? Whose family are we going to spend it with? Like, this is also the best piece of advice we got was you as the person of like the family of origin you're coming from, you have all communication with them, good or bad. We're coming to Thanksgiving's coming from you. We're not coming to Thanksgiving is coming from you. Like all of those things. Your side of the court. Your side of. of the court. Because otherwise, like it's so easy to be like, oh, this is this new person coming into our family. It's Aaron's fault. The Haven's not coming to Thanksgiving. No, I'm telling you, I'm choosing this as a part of my new family. Don't blame my husband. United like, front. United front. Like united front having those conversations of what is your expectation? Like, do you always want to do Christmas? Is that the thing? Or do we do every other? Like each unique couple is going to have their own individual take on it. Man, when our families lived in the same state, it was pretty wonderful. Double Thanksgiving, uh -huh. double Christmas. But especially Thanksgiving. Now it's trickier. Because my family is like very fun, creative. Like for Thanksgiving, we'll do different recipes every year. Zero tradition. Zero tradition. And not only that, different recipes, like we'll try them for the first time on Thanksgiving Day. And sometimes they're amazing. Like one time my sister did like a hollowed out orange with sweet potato casserole and like toasted marshmallows and a cinnamon stick. Amazing. There is also a lot of duds. Also, our family sucks at cooking. $80 mac and cheese. Okay, Clancy. Also, my sister made like an $80 mac and cheese that didn't taste great or we burned things. So what I loved is I would go and have the adventurous Thanksgiving. Then I would know Aaron's family at dinner. Classic green bean casserole. Normal turkey. No kind of weird turn on it. Bread rolls. Like, I don't know. Find out what works for you. But when we both lived in the same state, it was the best of both worlds. And I miss that. But even that. now, like it's just communicating. Like what is the expectation going into big mm -hmm. events like holidays, like, oh, my family always does something on Easter. Maybe the other family doesn't. That's great. You mm -hmm. know, we could set that up and that's clear. But when there's a conflict, it's just worth talking about and thinking like, okay, how do we be real about this and just say, maybe we could do every other year, alternate or figure something out. I think it's great. I'm going to open it up to some questions that were submitted in the end. Does that sound good? Great. Great. Okay, so... One of the questions is, how do you feel safe in difficult conversations? Hmm. I think I heard once where it says, we teach our spouses how honest they can be with us based on react our reaction when they tell us something that we don't want to hear. Wow. So you feel safe by like setting the tone of like, I didn't want to hear that, but I'm not going to blow up. I'm not going to, you know, make this a huge thing. I'm going to receive the information I didn't want to hear. And then we talk about it too. And setting the tone of not being wildly reactionary or punishing or defensive or angry. Like having that safe space to like chat about something. Mm -hmm. Pillow talk. Pillow talk. Or like just the appropriate setting. You know, maybe when you're driving, not a good idea sometimes to like bring up something our heavy. worst, our worst conversations came in driving because we're trapped and then we're just mad. And going like so fast and we're like, this is, this is a lot. No, we can't. We have to have conversations not driving. Um, what if one spouse is better at communicating than the other? How do you navigate? Well, you're the one who's better at communicating. So how do you navigate that? I no. don't know. You're the no, one I who's better at resolving. I think um, it's, you can help someone find the words to say, I guess, or like, it's all, it's, I think it's all asking the right questions. Like you, you really do. I brought up, I defer to you first because you ask really good questions. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's the secret to kind of unlocking things in people, relationships. It's like ask something open-ended. It's not just a yes or no, like, are you okay? Mm. Like, yeah, why are you asking me? It's like, like, what's going on right now? Like, tell me about what that made you feel mm -hmm. or get them to start talking open-ended kind of thing so that you can get it a clue maybe of something and then you can ask a follow-up question that begins to tell you more and then and sometimes you know they it. like you're right like are you okay can even come across sometimes aggressive like sometimes candace like my best friend i'll refer to a lot will ask each other like hey if your mood was a color what color are you today it's cute that gives a lot like are but you like cycle. a dark and stormy gray are you a light blue are you a melancholy What's melancholy Purple. besides blue? Purple. I, <laughs> I already said blue. But, you know, that helps, too. Is like it, it can be these kind of lighter things, too. Um, Something interesting, I think, with the navigating if someone's not as good at communicating is, you know, for me, when I was growing up, my whole, like, childhood was pretty insane. I didn't really know how to articulate feelings. It wasn't until I was, like, 15, 16, even 17, living with my aunt and uncle. Like, she really helped me identify what I was feeling mm -hmm. and I could actually have language to express it, not just music or angst or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think for some people, probably more of the men, it's hard to place, like, what that is. And so it might be helpful to even, you know, do a little, like, gentle excavating of, like, what are you feeling? You know, could it be sadness? Could it be anger? It may feel so basic, but I do think some of those simple like milestones or whatever markers mm -hmm. for the emotional like spectrum, you know, can help unlock some of that in someone. Cause I think a lot of times people don't know how they, I just feel frustrated. I was going to say everything goes into the cap of frustrated, yeah, that especially for men. And that can mean anything, but there's, there's specifics where there's, if you look up feelings chart color wheel and save that, like put it as the background of your phone and it'll say like mad and then it'll do the other colors of like what can come out of mad, like raging, frustrated, jealousy, you know, annoyed. Like there are so many nuances that maybe can help you articulate the emotions you're feeling that you can't access on your own. Like use a specific tool as well to help name that feeling. That's helpful. Thank you. I know that because I had it on the back of my phone when I'm trying to identify my own emotions. That sounded familiar. Um, what happens when you and your partner fundamentally disagree about something? And I remember we were actually taking a couple through this and they had different views on abortion. Okay. So what happens when it's that kind of a high stakes kind of thing and someone is vehemently disagreeing with one another? Hmm. I think... On some level, I think being an individual is a blessing, mm. you know, mm -hmm. like you are free to think for yourself. And if you've thought about it, you're not just regurgitating what you've heard online or in any capacity. It's actually really strong to have a good debate with someone you love and care about and understand, mm -hmm. you know, you can even understand them more through a sensitive subject like that, especially controversial stuff. It's like, how can I still love you and mm -hmm. disagree with you? I think it's amazing when couples have different opinions, different strong opinions. I think you just have to ask yourself, am I okay with you disagreeing with this one? 
like Mm -hmm. the specific ones. Like what are the big ones that are non-negotiables for me that I need to be aligned on with someone and where are ones where I'm like, I'm okay that we disagree. We may never agree and that's okay with me. Yeah. Okay. How do you tackle a tit for tat mentality when it comes to responsibilities and tasks? Is the person who asked that question like a hundred years old? <laughs> I don't know. From the nineteen twenties, tit for tat. <laughs> okay, what John Mulaney. Wait, sorry, I got so confused by the verb. Okay, it's basically what like itemizing that? and responsibilities, where you're like, "Oh, I did these four things. You oh, should." Yeah, that's important to talk about. Um, we got into that trap it's after kids. It's not. It's not uh, helpful. No, but I, we. Got... I think you have to give one hundred percent of yourself, mm. and not. Maybe it's again back to expectations. Like, mm-hmm. don't expect. I I don't want to expect anything from you. I want to serve you. So the best version of myself is in that posture. The worst one, I start to itemize. I'm like, I did the dishes. I you know did clean the kids' room. I did this. Can you? We start comparing, and that's very unhealthy. It's unhealthy, but that what I was gonna say is we got into that trap after kids. Oh yeah. Because you get into the survival mode of. Okay, like you change the diaper, I'm gonna breastfeed, you re-swaddle. Like you do these like survival things to get past it. And then if it stays, that's where it gets really dangerous. And also resentment. Where like I remember I was feeling like I'm breastfeeding this kid every three hours. Like this is such a time commitment. Like, yeah, please bring me some water, please bring some food. And like it gets in the way where you're downplaying the value that the other person's giving when you're feeling like you're more about what you're doing is more valuable than what they are. But I also saw something where it was basically like, how would you handle the scenario if your partner wasn't there? You know, like, don't wait for them to do stuff like handle it yourself. And then the other person can serve you as a gift, which I think is important too. where it's not just like, in my head, like a running tally of like, I've done these things. So I expect you to do those. Something important, I think, is if your relationship starts to feel that way not that it's transactional but there's so many things like where you and I you're a big planner I think I have a high structure I like planning but I like also changing plans but (laughs) the that dynamic can get so choppy that if if you start to think about that exclusively like there's no room for anything else it's like when's the last time you had any fun like Mm -hmm. together like go out on a date Go for a walk, even do something to just break the mold, change, like go to a new place, do something completely different so that you can enjoy one another and have conversations and not think about those kind of things. Cause at some point it's like, okay, yeah, I gotta take the kids to school, gotta do this, gotta, you know, yada, yada, yada. There's all this stuff that has to get done. But the bigger thing is you guys, you have to be connected. You have to be like, not even on the same page, but just like, yeah together that's how that's how people become roommates ew ew is gross (laughs) but it's true of like that's how you just become these people who are amazing at logistics but you aren't going on dates you're not having sex you're not like enjoying one another you're not surprising one another like you're not remembering even there's that quote of like what you did to get her is what you need to do to keep her and that's coming talking about like a husband Mm mm-hmm I think it works both ways. You know, the Mm -hmm. things that you enjoy with each other, like keep that alive. Mm -hmm. Not, not that it dies, just like that it, you just need to add more intention Mm -hmm. on that. Totally. And we'll talk more about that in the next episode. 
But is there anything else that you want to go out as far as the expectations, conflict kind of communication, any parting words? Um, conflict is going to come no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just have grace with each other as it happens. Yeah. And conflict is natural and very healthy. Um, it's actually really healthy. It's really, it's really healthy. It's how do you do it? Well, when someone says, Oh, we never fight. That to me is so scary. Part of me is like, Oh my gosh, one of you is just running the ship and the other one is just very flexible, but maybe not voicing what they want. Mm. Like voicing what you want is going to have conflicting stuff. You're going to have different things. It's like, how do you navigate that together? Well, and not lose your individuality. The last thing I think I'll say is that the exciting thing about all this with expectations, conflict, is the growth that you have together. Like that's, you said something early on about how like you have like two or three marriages to the same person, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's what we've gone through and faced and crashed through Mm -hmm. are so many uh, different versions of each other. And how do I get to know you now that you're a mom? Mm -hmm. How do I get to know you now that you're a business owner? It's exciting. Um, and it's a challenge that's worth. <laughs> You're not going to finish the thought. It's a challenge that's, that's worth, worth it. <laughs> no, it's, I thought you were saying like rising too. Thank you. Is that how you want to end it? Yes. Challenges. Okay. We're holding hands now. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's a uh, first of a two-parter. So we talked about conflict, expectations, communication. Next episode, we're going to talk about money and sex. So thank you for listening. Please follow, like, subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Haven the Podcast. I do Q&As there, and there's some more kind of bonus information there. Or you can email your topic requests or questions in a long form to hello at havenpod.com. So thanks so much. And I'll see you on the second part of this episode.